The Rock and Roll Coffee Show is brought to you by Writers and Rockers Coffee Company, keeping the music and memories alive with some damn good coffee. Visit them at writersandrockerscoffee.com. And Retroactive, located at Broadway at the Beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. 70s, 80s, 90s retro. Shopretroactive.com. Back to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. My guest, Terry Illus. Terry is a singer for the band XYZ. Also sang with Great White for about nine years. And Terry has a new song out called Dead or Alive, which he uh, performs with George Lynch and the band All for Nothing. Terry sits down to discuss the writing of Dead or Alive with George. We're working with Don Dockin, the early days of XYZ, as well as his days in Great White and his offer from Frankie Benali to join Quiet Riot, much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you want to see the video version of this, head on over to YouTube and search The Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, where you can find all the videos of our conversations. Thank you very much for listening. And you know, with you, you've had so many great things happen in your career. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But let's let's do this. Let's start with, what you did recently, The Dead or Alive with George Lynch. Yeah. Um, How did that come about? Well, I, um, my guitar player, Tony, uh, had a riff, a riff guitar, and um, he, um, he played the riff for me back in Denver. And um, I said, I, I like that riff, you know, and I put the song around it, meaning the, uh, the verse, the melody, the, the the bridge section, all that stuff, you know. Um, I put it around it, and um, I had uh, Pat, my bass player, and I, we did the lyrics. And uh, Joey was there to assist as well, but it's, it's really a, a collaboration. But anyway, um, we had the song, and we didn't do anything with it. Uh, it was actually originally for XYZ. We didn't do anything with it. Mm. Uh, so the song was in the, the hard drive for about three, four years. Oh, wow. And um, I, um, I came across those kids, All or Nothing, and I like those kids. They're, they're really good. They're, they're, they're a new generation. They're, they have a lot, uh, lot to offer, a lot of energy, and um, I, I wanted to help them. And so we, um, we did a few shows together, and it sounded great and stuff, and and they asked me if I had any songs. And I said, I might, as a matter of fact, I might. But their manager, Eric, came up with the idea. He says, why don't we um, have you do the song with George? Because it's very, he listened to the song. He said, right, it's very dark. And he said, well, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, w when we wrote the song, uh, not just the riff, but the rest of the song, I had Darken in mind. You know, something you get inspired. Sure. And I, I wanted to specifically make the song very early XYZ, Darken, which, you know, the first album by XYZ was very much influenced by Dawkins. So um, not so much the second, but the first one so much. And I mm -hmm. said, um, yeah, um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we get the kids to, to play a rhythm and, and some of the rhythm tracks and maybe have George play with the rhythm as well and lead. And uh, I contacted George. I said, would you be interested? And George said, let me listen to the track. And he listened to the track and he liked it a lot. He said, yeah, it's very Lynch. Very dark one. Yeah, sounds like George. Yeah, so he said that's perfect for me. So I sent him the track, and he played on it, and uh, and the rest is history because it's. I gotta tell you, it's. I'm really surprised how 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 the reaction. Um, I, I didn't know what to expect. We just put it out there, and that's about it. There's no promotion behind it. There's no record company. There's really nothing behind it. Just the fans listening to the song on on Facebook and YouTube, and it's got. As of today, within three weeks, I think we released it three weeks ago or three and a half weeks ago, it's got 137,000 views, which is amazing. Wow. That For, is amazing. 
Yeah, for no promotion, no radio support, no PR, nothing, just the fans sharing the song. There's nothing else. So I'm very excited about that. And I want to thank the fans for for doing that. And I want to thank George and I want to thank the kids. Um, All or nothing as well. Yeah, well, it's a great song. I mean, the song speaks for itself. That's probably why it's doing so well. It's a good song. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you going to do anything else with that, with those guys, or just that one song right now? I'd like to, actually. Um, I'd like to uh, um, have some shows coming up with George. Um, I think they're still on. And we have some shows coming up. Uh, we have one in Michigan. We have uh, other shows in Florida and, and Alabama, I believe. I'm not sure. So we have to um, do that, do shows. And meanwhile, I'm going to write another song maybe collaborate with George a little bit more, or maybe with the kids a little bit more. And um, mm-hmm. and we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Were you and George doing other stuff? No, really. Uh, no. I've always been a, a big fan of George. I think George is a tremendous guitarist. Um, yeah. His sound is absolutely fantastic, is all I can say. You know? yeah. George is one of my all-time favorite guitarists um, by far of that era. Mm-hmm. When, it comes, when it comes to 80s, 90s music, uh, I think there's there are some great players, you know, and George is definitely on top. He's uh, uh, definitely by far one of the best. You have Eddie Van Halen, you have Michael Schenker, uh, you have other great players as well, but sure. you have Zach, but you really have George right on the top, very top. Yeah. You know? He's, uh, he's one of, and, and what I like about George is he's one of a kind. He doesn't sound like, like anybody else. He's George Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare for a guitarist to be unique. George, is, George has one thing for him. Um, he's unique. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's a very rare quality. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that the first XYZ album was, you know, influence had doc and influence in it um oh, yeah. now don produced that correct yes, yes okay yes. so did he bring a lot of that doc and influence in or did no, you were you guys already well, he, there? Did. he did uh i think the first album was actually much bluesier than than uh, um, the album itself the demos mm-hmm. were much bluesier um we didn't think to bring so much of, of that doc and influence we, we had some songs that were kind of darkenish but for for the for the majority that songs like um after the rain or songs like um inside out or songs like uh um uh, i don't know what else we had with the album but they didn't sound like talking at all mm-hmm. um uh, but, but working with don was great because he actually brought a lot of uh, his um i would say his um pedigree so his sound and of course when you work with someone that has such a sound of course immediately you're gonna uh, absorb that sound as well. But if you if you listen to songs like um, what was on the first album, um, uh, "Follow the Night," it's a mm-hmm. kind of song. It's not darkened at all. It's nothing to do with darkened. But um, the production became more darkenish than than the demos themselves because Don um, produced the album, so he gave us his his stamp, which is okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, the second album we, we needed to to move forward. We had a great time with George on the, first, on the Don on the first album, but second album, we were pretty much ready, you know, mm-hmm. and, and okay. Mm-hmm. And how did you get involved with Don? Um, through our PR firm, um, actually. Through what happened is we were about to work with um, uh, Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley was our first choice. Really, that was your choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, first choice, first choice. We met with Paul. Paul was supposed to produce the album. And then um, by the time we were ready to record and all that stuff, Paul was actually uh, on tour and couldn't do it. So mm. Mm. we had to look for somebody else. And we didn't know who to work with. We had different people we were thinking about. But a record company mentioned Don Darkin, and we liked the idea because we're big fans of Don. I mean, Don is, back in the 80s, Don was, was it, you know? I mean. Yeah great songwriter and great singer and everything. So um, we were very excited to, to meet with him. And uh, he became some type of an older brother to us. You know, we had a, you know, love-hate relationship with him. Yeah. Like, with, a, with a, an older brother. 
Um, but to this day, we, we still chat and still talk. And, um, you know, there's, there's like, like so what is the way it's going to be when you, you have an older brother? You know, you love him and you hate him. But uh, overall, I love the guy and, and I, I respect him tremendously. Uh, he's, he's, he has written great songs and a great singer. And uh, yeah, only great things to say about him. Yeah, that's awesome that you stay in contact. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Now, you guys were signed, I believe, with Atlantic, correct? Before you, before Enigma, I think, is what you released your record on. You were so smart. Yes, right. We were, <laughs> I'm not that smart, but we were assigned uh, to. And they, uh, what Atlantic happened? Well, um, they they do what they call a veil, meaning they put you on. They, they said put you on the back burner and said, "Give us three months, and we'll 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 sign the contract in three months." But I think we're going to sign you guys. And by the same time, at the same time, they were signing. They were uh, signing different bands. They had Skid Row. They had a uh, White Lion. They had a bunch of bands. Mm. And um, they had a lot of bands that they, they basically signed everything at the same time. Like they were, so they were overwhelmed with so many bands. And they told us that um, they couldn't handle us. They said, we love you guys, but we, we've got too many bands. We, there's only mm. so many in our, so we, we're not going to sign you guys. So we, they let us go. We were pretty devastated. Um, sure. We were pretty devastated because we didn't know what to do. We're like, wow, what do we do? So... Uh, Within the next few days, we wrote Inside Out and and After the Rain, and uh, we started uh, playing those songs live one day at the uh, Troubadour in Los Angeles. When it's a funny thing, there was maybe eight people in the audience. Wow! Eight, yeah, eight people. We were uh, packing the clubs all the time, all the time, but we wanted to try a new song, Inside Out. Under a different name, we didn't want the crowd to know that we had a different song, so we did not announce the band. We just went under whatever Josh Moore. So we played the Troubadour one night very late on a Monday night. I remember very well, and um, was late using a different name. And we, I said, let's try Inside Out, see how people like it. Uh, we played the song, and we played After the Rain. And um, that night there was a, um, a an NR guy. Uh, and he loved the song, and the rest is history. Wow, he just happened to be in that club at that well, night. Yeah, actually, uh, um, it's a little bit different. There was a, um, a girl, a, a friend of mine, uh, Sharon, used to follow us a lot, and she gave the demo to uh, a demo of our songs to uh, an AR, the A R guy named Curtis Beck, and um, he found out through her that we were playing the whiskey. I'm um, sorry, the, 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 the Troubadour, that particular night. Um, we didn't know he would be there. Um, so I remember very, very well going on stage, very nonchalant and whatever. Mm -hmm. Didn't care. And he was there and he loved the song. And the next day he said, uh, he gave us a phone call and said, hi, this is Curtis Beck. Um, Sharon, give me your telephone number. And uh, um, would you please call us? We, we have, we're very interested in the band. I'm like, yeah, right. So we didn't call him. And then he called again a few days later. And I thought it was my roadie, you know. Messing around. Messing around. So I called him. I said, come on, Brad, leave me alone. Come on, dude. <laughs> um, the guy went to the phone and said, this is Curtis Beck. I said, no, it's not. So um, he said, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, because I called the number. And he said, well, tell you what. Uh, call, uh, call again one more time. And he called again and we went went through dispatch and somebody said, uh, Enigma record may help you. I'm like, oh, wow. Because he gave us his direct line. So I'm like, holy cow, it's the real deal. So we went there to the record company, not knowing, I, I think it was just a, a prank and they just wanted to sign the band for $10 or whatever. So we asked ridiculous things like, oh, we want a limo when we go somewhere, we want half a million dollars, <laughs> we want to have this and that. And, and the guy was writing down everything. Okay, okay. I'm not sure I can do that, but okay. okay. He must have been like, who in the hell are these guys? <laughs> yeah, he was like, well, I don't know if I can do that. You know what I mean? And then um, he gave us a call a few days later. I said, uh, the big boss wants to meet you guys, wants to see you guys live. So I'm like, whoa. So we organized the show at the uh, uh, country club. We did a show and that particular weekend, and it was absolutely packed, sold out, because we announced the band. You have to understand that we had 
the largest attendance of an unsigned band in Los Angeles. All wow. the bands like Warrant were signed, so we didn't compete with them anymore. Um, Poison was signed, Guns N' Roses was signed. We were the last one to not be signed, but having such a big attendance. We broke everybody's attendance at the uh, the Whiskey, the Roxy, wow. everyone. Yeah. Um, so we announced that we we're playing the, uh, the the country club. All the fans showed up. And I got to tell you, um, they were there that night. And I remember very well the, the president of the labels shaking my hand and said, we're going to sign the contract. Welcome to the label. I'm like, is that a dream? So I went home that night thinking, it's going to be a dream. It's going to be a dream. And and no, on Monday, we got a phone call and we met with the executive and we started the paper, paperwork. And they gave you everything you asked for or no? Almost. They gave Almost. us a lot of money. Money-wise, they were, they gave us a ton of money. I mean, lots of money. We we were overwhelmed with the amount of money. We were overwhelmed with everything, and 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 we were very um, very happy. So here you are in Los Angeles, um, but you came over from France, right? Right. You know what? For whatever reason, for the longest time, I thought you guys were from New York. Well, did you guys have anything to do with New York? Yeah. When well, we came to Los Angeles, um, we went to New York for a little while. Pat and I lived in a car, and we had a Buick, a 1976 Buick, uh, Le Sabre. And um, we lived in the car. We had no place to go. And then we were parking the car pretty much everywhere we could. And the car got so many tickets, so the car got towed. So we ended up moving to L.A. Oh, and that's, that's what got you to L.A.? Yes. Well, how long were you out in L.A. before you signed your deal? I think we moved to Los Angeles um, in 87, 86, I believe, 86. We signed a deal in 88. Okay. Now, you, apparently you guys did well out there, but how did you fit in with the other bands that were out there? Because you guys don't sound like a, a, the typical L.A. band. You know what I mean? Well, we were. It was a bit different because I have to tell you that we, as you said, we didn't sound like we didn't have uh, black hair. Right. Like some bands, like a, like a band Tango, you know, or we didn't have the poison look with makeup mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, we tried one day, and I'm like, dude, I look excited <laughs> because I had big muscles. I'm like, look at me, man, that looks stupid, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, like weird. yeah, I didn't fit. That didn't look so. And we were not pretty boys like Bon Jovi, so we're like, where do we fit in? So we were just in between all those bands. We were a bit Judas Priest, a bit. Uh, a bit of blues, a bit that's we didn't know where we were. Right. Um, so, but we got along with everybody. Um, we used to talk to the bands, Bantango, Tough, um, mm. Warrant was already signed, but we knew them because we, we we did shows with them. But they were already big. Um, all those bands were already big. All the, the, the as I said, Poison bands were signed. Were very mm -hmm. big. We were the last band uh, to get signed who ended up uh, doing well. So. We were kind of the king of the hill at the time because that was it. It was XYZ, the biggest band. And um, um, it was a lot of great bands. Band Tango was doing very well, but they got mm -hmm. signed up to us. Um, you, you know, um, we all got along. I mean, mm -hmm. there was no competition. Yeah. You know, uh, We all got along well. And I think we get along even better these days. And when I talk to band members, we just laugh. And we, yeah, we all got along well. Yeah, yeah. So you record your first album. Um, now, did that take off right away? Because from my memory, I remember Inside Out being all over MTV, Headbangers Ball especially. It's It was amazing. The song, we had no idea, took off like crazy. Um, it was number one on MTV. There was uh, the one that there was, I don't know, the, on Billboard. Uh, the time was number 40 on Billboard charts. Don't quote me on that, but I think mm. so. I was really surprised. Uh, I remember one day in 1990, um, New Year's Eve 1990, we were, um, was it 1990, 1989, whatever. We were listening to KNAC, the biggest rock station at sure. the time. And they were, there was a countdown and they were like, um, all the songs that were number 10, number nine. So I was driving in my car. I remember I had a Pontiac Firebird convertible and a really nice car was driving, you know, uh, and um, driving the car and I, number nine, number eight. I'm like, oh man, we're not even number eight. Oh my God, we're not even number seven. Thought you dropped then, off. 
Yeah, and then number three, Guns N' Roses. Oh, my God, we didn't make it. Number two, Metallica. And number one, XYZ, most requested song on KNC. I'm like, mm. oh, my God. I, I literally stopped <laughs> driving. I didn't have a phone call. I was cell phone at the time, you know, yeah. in 1980. So yeah. I freaked out. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm number <laughs> one. I'm number one. I mean, I was number one on KNC, then number three on Pirate Radio. And it was big stations, you know. Um, I I was blown away. I have to be honest with you. Uh, and it took off like crazy. We toured nonstop. A lot of bands wanted to tour with us because I, I think we were the, the real deal, meaning we were musicians. We are musicians, you know, and uh, we had a great guitarist, great mm-hmm. drummer. And, uh, and uh, bands wanted to tour with us. We toured with Dio. We, toured, we did some dates with Ozzy. Um, mm-hmm. we, we were a little bit harder than most bands. We were pretty boys slash hard Judas Priest wannabe. We were in that category, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Especially the second album was much harder. In fact, some of the songs are really heavy, uh, almost like Priest, because uh, that's what that's who we liked. We like Judas Priest. We like all that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so was that more? Was the second album was that X Y Z more compared no, to the first? No. First and second was still XYZ. You just, just, you know, you evolve. You just grow mm. into other things. You, um, the first album, we were um, look, searching for ourselves, you know, uh, you know, uh, trying to get signed like everybody else, going to the strip clubs, like, you know, writing mm. songs about strippers, writing songs about making it, writing songs about hoping to, to get something in life and everything. Second album, you, 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 got, you got somewhere. And you want to keep that. Mm-hmm. You want to keep what you just got. So lyrics were different. Uh, uh, and uh, the music was much, much harder. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the songs, like uh, The Sun Also Rises in Hell, it's, uh, it's really heavy. This is not a song. This is not a song for, you know, uh, uh, what they call a hair. What's it called? That hair band, whatever. This is yeah, very, yeah. very, very yeah. heavy. I mean, heavy, it's not Metallica. But right. it's, it's more like priest, um, priest heavy, you know. Sure, sure. And then, um, are you the main songwriter, or was it a collaboration with everybody, or how did you approach songwriting? I it's a good question. I think um, it depends on on the song. I mean, uh, I think Mark wrote a lot of the riff. Um, he did. Pat wrote a lot of lyrics. I, I wrote a lot of the the music as well and lyrics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in between. Mark would write a riff, but it didn't go anywhere with it. And I would come up just like just like the song uh, "Dead or Alive." I come up and say, "Oh, wait a minute! I got it. Verse goes this way because I play guitar. So verse sure. goes this way, pre-chorus this way, bridge this way, blah blah blah." And then Pat and I would get together and write the lyrics. A melody was always for me. Um, title usually always for me, but um, it was a collaboration. Paul was there as well sometimes. Um, it was a collaboration, more or less, meaning sometimes I had more to do than the other guys. And sometimes um, Mark would come up with a riff that would that says it all. That was not much to do with it. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that's it. The song is written, you know. Uh, right. There was, um, it's a collaboration. Sometimes one guy does more than the other, basically. Sure. Now, the second album, when that came out, because you you very successful on the first album. You guys sold o- over 2 million albums, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very successful band. Um, now, the second one was not as successful, correct? Or was that more successful? I... Was not. The second album only right. sold, at the time, um, 267,000 copies. Mm-hmm. At the time. Uh, now, I'm sure it sold more, but... Sure. In 1991, it sold 267,000 copies. And at the time, today would be great. Nowadays, back then, it was a failure. But you have to realize that labels, when we released the second album, we were late. Mm-hmm. Guns and Roses was doing everything they could. Metallica was coming out, and Soundgarden was out there, Pearl Jam, um, uh, uh, Nirvana. So all those bands were changing the music scene. and we were too late. We came up with a rock, heavy blues and everything, like face down in the gutter. And people were like, yeah, that's cool. But 
I want to hear Nirvana now. Yeah, they were radio stations were only playing Nirvana. Radio station didn't want to hear uh, rock like my like my band or Great White or Poison. Poison. They didn't want to hear that anymore. They switched to they switched format completely. Uh, They switched to um, to Nirvana type of music, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But um, for some reasons, we felt like everybody was letting us down. All the radio stations, or uh, some of the fans, I would say, let, let us down. They, they didn't care anymore. Um, we, we felt let down, not just us, but many other bands. Many, many, uh, we couldn't tour anymore. Nobody wanted us. We were like the rejects. Oh, those 80s bands, nobody wanted them, you know? Right, right. That's got to be really exhausting mentally to be up top and then all of a sudden now nobody wants you yeah i remember talking to janie lane all those guys who were talking said what are you doing you know, nothing i'm busy doing uh whatever cleaning my cars or whatever mm-hmm. nobody wanted to you, we went from a certain plateau as far as money to a much lower <laughs> revenue within a year before yeah. oh. but i said wait a minute you bought my album you bought my uh my package, the, the the band last year for that amount of money. How is that? Are you buying it now for a third of that? Or oh, nobody's gonna want you guys. And it's true, most people, most fans, you know, come see us. Mm-hmm. We were no longer not just us, but many of the '80s band were no longer the flavor of the month. So um, there was no way we could tour. I mean, we tried mm-hmm. touring. We we changed the format. We did some acoustic stuff and everything. I went on tour with Michael Schenker. Um, we did all kinds of great things, but the attendance was very low. And it just not me. I mean, I can tell you that all the bands, yeah. all of the bands in the 80s, in the early 90s, till, till the end of 90s, most of the rock bands didn't do well. They were playing clubs. I mean, you know, Deep Purple was playing a big club. Mm-hmm. You know? now how, how about overseas? Were, were you still successful over there at that time? Or did that fall off too? It fell off, but not as much. Mm-hmm. I think um, the um, Seattle movement didn't catch uh, as much. They didn't do as well over there, obviously. Mm-hmm. So over here in Europe, most bands, in fact, were touring Europe because mm-hmm. they don't want us in the US. We're going to tour Europe. Of course, Europe doesn't pay as much, but the only way to make money and make a living was to tour Europe. Right. The um, a lot of bands were just touring Europe and Japan nonstop. Japan, Europe, Japan, not Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, the states, the promoters, and things just were not there anymore. You mm-hmm. know. So you guys ended up uh, calling a day after that album, correct? Yes, we did. Yes. Was that um, a mutual thing between the band members, or how that unfold? Yeah, very mutual. I mean. You know, you 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 come home. It's just like imagine you come home. You know, a band is a, is a family. You come home and there's long faces everywhere. Nobody's happy and yeah. there's nothing to do and there's no money and there's no uh, what do we do today? Nothing. Nobody wants you. So you like you start looking for a job and everything. You're like, holy shit! Six months ago I was a rock star. Now I'm looking for a job. Yeah, and uh, it's a harsh harsh reality that that you you have to accept. Um, nothing is ever uh, forever in life. There's no, no 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 doubt about that. So uh, some people take it nicely, and and some people don't. Some people mm. say, "Well, let's, let's ride the wave," and some people um, are upset about it. You know, I mean, I, I was quite upset, but got myself a job. You know, you know, I said, "Okay, I'm not gonna. What am I gonna do? Uh, be a rock star for the rest of my life, and or want to be a rock star?" I said, "No, I'm." I'm a musician, but I'm also a human being. I'm a person. And if I have to work, then I will work. I will find a job and work. And it's okay. Right. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. No, not at all. And you took, it was about, what, 10 years between the time you guys split and then reunited again, right? Yeah, I completely got out of the music business. Completely. All together. All together. I was no voice, longer. Voice like no yourself, longer. you got out of the music business. Yeah, I, I did an wow. album. Uh, with Jeff Northrop, J.K. Northrop, just like that. But really, um, there was really nothing anymore. It was, for me, I was, for me, it was over. I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you continue to write, though? 
of course, I, I yeah. continued writing. I continued writing. Uh, I um, I just didn't know what to write and and what to do, what style to write, because I was writing like the Nirvana kind of thing because I can as a songwriter. I'm a songwriter, so I can adjust. Yeah. And I was writing that stuff, and I'm like, it's it's I can do it, but I don't feel it. So if I don't feel it, I'm not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the songs, I listened to them, I recorded them just for myself and, and my buddy Jeff. But we never really did anything with the songs. We played the clubs, we played some clubs left and right under different names. But you no, know, there was nobody to come and see us, maybe five people, six people, you know. Yeah. It's a shock when you when you play you open up for Ozzy, ADO, and Foreigners sure. Band Cooper and Ice Cooper, and then you play in front of Eight, ten, fifteen thousand people, and then you end up playing in front of three people that mm-hmm. don't even care. They're like, "Who are those losers?" <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, that's rough. Um, are you ever going to re- do anything with those songs, or have you? Have you put any of them? No, on? I didn't do anything with it. I just find it because I found them the other day on my hard drive, and I'm like, "Yeah, some of them really good." I mean, the lyrics were really good. Uh, Jeff was writing the lyrics, and I was writing the melody and the and the music. And um, they were really good, you know. But yeah, yeah, I don't. I mean, so. these days it's it's easy to get it out there. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, all right. So then, so fast forward then to two thousand, around two thousand two, early two thousands, right? You guys got decided to do it again, or at least you did, right? I did. I called uh, Pat. I said, "Why don't we do something together?" Pat was no longer into playing. He was like, you know, he was disappointed. He was like, "Nah, mm-hmm. you know." So I did uh, an album called "Letter to God," which was a good album. It, um, I think, in retrospect, I should have never called it XYZ because Pat wasn't there, Mark wasn't there. It was just so, you, right? Just me and Paul. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the songs with Jeff, a new guitarist, and I, sh- I don't think I should have called it XYZ. Uh, in retrospect, because I don't think it's fair. Uh, but I needed, I didn't want to call it XYZ, but the record company said, uh, if we don't call it XYZ, you're not going to sell it. I'm like, yeah, he's right. So I called it XYZ, and um, it did very well, believe it or not. I mean, it made a lot of money. And I realized there was a market for it. I'm like, fuck, people are starting to come back to rock. 2003, yeah. 2004, slowly they're coming back to rock. Um, it took a while. And uh, that was it. You know, slowly I got back in the music business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, you found yourself in Great White for a little bit. Yes, for yeah. about nine years. Nine years. So more than a little bit. That's a long time. How many records did you do with them? Three. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. We did uh, 563 shows. Wow. How was that? How'd that go? Great. I had a great experience with the band. Um, um, I was honored to be on stage uh, with them. Um, it was a great experience, you know. Um, I, 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 looking back, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have uh, been a member of the band. It's a great band. I had great songs, um, great musicians. Um, uh, it was not easy because Jack's a great singer. Yeah. And singer, uh, uh, another great singer is never easy, and people look at you like, well, you're not that good, you know. You're not, yeah, great. you're not Jack. Even though you could be great, people are like, well, yeah, you know. I mean, it's very difficult to replace someone. Very sure. Difficult. I can imagine. Yeah. So, uh, but I did it, and I did it my way. I, I talked to Jack about that many times. He said, "I'm so sorry. I'm so happy you you didn't clone me. You didn't be, try to become a little clone." I said, "I would never be somebody's clone. I would. I would never be somebody's bitch either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not who I am. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have my own personality and." I believe that it, 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 I mean, at, at times in my life, it was a good thing. At times in my life, it was a bad thing, you know, but I, I am true to who I am. And, um, I, you know, like sometimes they hire a singer, um, and they want him to sound like the original guy, you know, like foreigner, for example, mm. uh, I was asked to, uh, to sing in foreigner actually. Were you? Of course. Before Didn't you Cal- tour with them? Uh, oh yeah, toured with them. So yeah, yeah toured with them for four months, I believe, four or five months. Mm-hmm. 
um, I was asked to sing with Foreigner before Kelly joined the band. And I recorded a demo, which actually I think it's really good, but I don't sound nothing like Lou Graham. Right. And I didn't want to sound like Lou Graham. I said, Lou Graham is an iconic singer. I really love Lou Graham. I love his voice. He's one of my favorite singers in the world. Um, I just don't want to be him. Mm. I want to be me. So um, is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. I just said no. So when the guys in the band asked me, could you get closer to his voice? I said no. Yeah. But to respect, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. I think it's important to be true to yourself um, and, and remember that why are you doing this in the first place? Why are you in this music business? Um, and I, I remember well, I said, well, I'm, it may, maybe it's not much, but I'm Terry Lewis and I'm who I am. And that's all. And, and I don't want to be somebody else's clone. That's all you need to be. Be you. And that's, why, that's why Jack and I get along well, because yeah. we talked about that. He said, he said I'm, I'm so glad you never um, wanted to sound like me. I said, no, I respected your phrasing and I respected your, the songs you have written or co-written. They were very well written by the band and you. However, I want to be me. And mm. he said, I appreciate that very much. So, it, you know, you know, very, very much so. So, no, I had a great time with Great White. Uh, I still talk to the guys, uh, some of them. So you're um, on good terms? Yeah, I mean. Because it didn't, it didn't end too well, right? It didn't end too well. They had their reasons, and mm -hmm. I, I don't even know why. I, I would never know why. Yeah. It's okay. Things happen. Mm -hmm. um, um, I think um, I'm, I'm happy they're doing well right now. I have no animosity. No, good. none. I'm doing very well, as you know, uh, thank God. And um, I have no animosity whatsoever. I wish them the very best. I'm friends with uh, Artie and Scotty. Uh, I haven't talked to Mark in a while, but but I talked to uh, Bridget once. Um, she sent me nice flowers when my uh, dad passed away. Mm. It's very nice of her. And um, uh, I have to say that, um, you know, they're good people. You know, they, they did what they had to do to survive, you know. Sure. Was it the right way to do it? <laughs> I don't think so. They could right. have, they could have could called. Have, could have gave you a call. Yeah, they could have given me a call. But maybe they, they had their reasons. Maybe they were, I don't know. I, we'll never know. But the bottom line is, it's all good. I'm happy they had a, another singer, and I think another one now. And I'm happy for them. And really, from the bottom of my heart, I can tell you that I'm happy for them. Mm -hmm. Good. You got a great attitude. But, it's okay. You gotta have a good attitude, and and on top of that, they're good people. I mean, Mark's got a heart of gold, and Artie is a is a funny guy. Artie, Artie and Scotty were like my brothers, so yeah, I love the guys, and they're good people. Yeah. So then, um, you released a solo album. I believe it was called Gypsy Dreams, right? Yeah. And that was a few years after Great White, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said earlier, you have so much going on. You got to correct me if I'm wrong here. <laughs> it was at, at the end of Great White. I released uh, about at the same time. I released uh, Gypsy Dream. Okay, which is, um, which is a um, um, a mixture of rock songs, um, all redone, all re. I would say uh, rewritten. I would. I don't want to say that word because it's it's wrong. But I would say. We thought, you know, what I mean, in, okay. in, in with more of a flamenco Spanish flavor, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it did very well. People, I had a lot of compliment. It did very well as far as um, as far as the media. I, it didn't sell millions of albums, but it did okay. And, and most good. importantly, uh, I'm, most importantly, I'm happy with it. Yeah, that's what matters. It's good music. I listened to it and it's good music. You also did like a Latin thing with uh, some cover tunes. Was that with the Vagabonds? That's it. That's what it is. That's that's the album. That's the Vagabonds. Yes, Gypsy that's... Dream is the Vagabonds. Yeah. Okay. Was that the covers? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. I got that mixed up. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's some great songs on there, but you Thank you. you did fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it, it did well. I got uh, lots of good reviews. We did some. Uh, we played performing art centers and, and special um, private events for the rich and famous and stuff like that. And, uh, uh -huh. you know, for, for good money. And I played with great musicians. And 
most importantly, uh, I enjoyed myself, which mm. is what it's all about. I, I, I do music, whatever I do, I do it for me first. You know, I'm selfish. Yeah. I, I, That's okay. I, do, I do the art for me, like a painter, like who's a sculpture, sculpting an image or something. It's his vision. It's for him. Uh, and in, in the morning when he looks at it, it's like, wow, okay, uh, uh, I hope someone's going to like it because I really like it, you know. Well, maybe nobody likes it, but he likes it, so it matters, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he didn't, nobody likes it, then you move on, you do something else. But important thing in life is to do things for yourself, not, I mean, it, as far as an artist, mm-hmm. to, number one thing is to do things for yourself, and hopefully other people will like it. But if mm-hmm. you like it, if you really love it, they will like it. Some people. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also did an album called, um, oh man, what was that called? The one where you wrote, it was songs that you wrote for others. Oh yeah. As a songwriter, I write a lot of songs. Um, uh, Harriet Gunn is called. Yeah. I I write a lot of songs for other people. Sometimes people call me and say, hey, can you uh, sing on my album? I'm saying, yeah, let me hear your song. I'm like, oh, it's it's okay. I, I do it, but. I, I do it, but I would rather uh, write the song. Uh, okay. And people said, okay. Some people say no. Some people say yes. So I usually uh, write for other people as well. Like I, I do a lot of things for film, TV, and little things like that. And and um, I, I like to um, like to write. Like I, I'm working on a movie right now, a, a, a pretty big movie, actually. It's come, coming out next year. And I did... Um, four of the main songs, uh, especially the main track. I just I recorded it. Nice. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Is that hard to write for others? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, um, I, I listen to the artist, what, what he's all about, what he or she all about, and then I try to put myself in their shoes. And, and um and, and right, I mean, like for this particular uh, movie, um, the uh, director told me, he said, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this type of songs and everything. And I said, well, who's going to be singing them? And he said, well, the actor is one of the main actor. Um, it's going to be singing the songs. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to sing them. He says, no. So in that particular case, I would change the key because I have a pretty high range. Sure, so, not many people can sing like you. <laughs> I uh, I changed the range, the, the the key of the song, and and I think okay, and the phrasing sometimes because I have a different phrasing, you know, I have a blues rock lazy, a very lazy Coverdale type of uh, 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 phrasing. I don't have a fast phrasing like uh, Steven Tyler or, mm-hmm. or Rose. I don't have that, you know. Um, so I changed that, and you know, and well, the guy could they don't want blues. Okay, let's make it more whitish so white like this way more or if they want blues okay then perfect you know so you adjust you know it's like someone it's like somebody says hey can you paint my car blue but you only car you only paint black cars you're like all right i can paint blue and you think blue what's blue okay blue is this way okay there's different shades of blue oh yeah that's right so Mm -hmm. you just have to adjust and talk to the the director and i we we talked a lot i i I gave him so many choices as far as songs. I was fishing at, at first mm-hmm. to say, do you like this? He's like, nah. Okay, do you like that? Nah. And then do you like this? It's getting better. So I gave him different ideas. I sent him like so many different ideas. I would play his my guitar, singing. I said, how about this? He's like, nah. And then finally I went to see him. I said, let me sing you something. And he said, that's it. That's what I want. Yeah. Like, okay. I said, what are you going to do with that? He said, that's the title track of the of the of the movie. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. So I wrote another one. He said, well, that's the other song. So I wrote four songs for the movie and, um, and I'm excited about that. That's awesome. And now you're currently, you're still doing XYZ stuff now, right? Currently I'm doing a some version of XYZ, meaning, um, Pat, uh, Pat and Joy are doing different things. So I decided to reconnect with Paul, the original drummer for XYZ. And, um, Paul and I, we hired the two kids from uh, All and Nothing. Oh, did you? Yeah, so we put a package together, which is interesting because it's the kids first. They do an hour and they sound great. And then it's XYZ featuring Paul and myself 
So it's really not XYZ. It's, I call it Terry Lewis of XYZ. I don't like mm. to, to lie to the fans. So I call it Terry Lewis of XYZ featuring Paul Monroe of XYZ. And then we hire the two guys and they sound great, you know, great, love and energy, great guitarist. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we bring George on stage and George does uh, 45 minutes with us. So it's a, it's a package, three oh, wow. hour package and it's doing very well. I'm like, oh my God, but promoters are buying it like crazy because they get wow. three and a half hour show. They get, first they get All or Nothing, which is a great band. They have a lot of energy, a lot of fan base, big fan base. Then they got Terry Lewis of XYZ and Paul. And then they bring George. And they nice. and like another 45 minutes. So it's a great package. Yeah. Are you doing, uh, I'm assuming you're doing XYZ tunes. And are you doing Dokken as well? Yeah, I love Dokken. I do the, the that's time we, I did a thing with Don. We did, oh, uh, with uh, George. We did um, It's Not Love. Uh, we did also uh, The Hunter. We did uh, Keith the Death. We did, um, what else we do? We did six or seven songs, and we did a whole inch mob as well. I love nice. it. It was a great nice. song. I mean, I'm a big uh, Dawkins fan. I'm a big uh, Lynch mob fan. I mean, Oni was a great singer. Oh, he's a great singer. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh yeah, I'm excited about that. Why yeah. not? Yeah, it, it's got to be a blast. Do you have a favorite Dawkins song you like to sing? Um, I think I like uh, the Hunter. I think it's a great song. Mm-hmm. Great song. Great song right there. Now, your voice, one thing I noticed listening to you throughout the years is your voice hasn't changed. At least I don't notice it changed. Is there, I mean, how do you keep your voice so strong? Is there anything you do? <laughs> so, so, okay. So there's no special tricks. That, these Terry I, I, tricks. I don't, I don't even warm up. I got to be what? honest. So wait a minute. So you just. Have your casual conversation, walking up the stage, get on stage, and then belt that out. That comes out of you. The only time I would warm up is if I do many shows in a row. So I would do like, <laughs> okay, done, let's do it. You know, that's about it. I, I, I don't warm up. I, I should. I should. But uh, when I do many shows in a row, I do. I do for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes, maybe. Not like some other singers who would like warm up all day, take a shower with a steamer and everything. But nah, no. Yeah. I think, honestly, I don't drink, I don't smoke, no drugs, drink it out of water, and um, I, choose my, I choose, choose my songs carefully. Uh, there are songs that I don't think I could be singing well, mm-hmm. um, and I've been asked to sing them, and I'm like, no, I'll pass on them, um, mm-hmm. because I, I know my limitations. Um, uh, for example, I don't think I'd be good at singing uh, Brian Johnson. Which I do sometimes. Uh, I do sometimes. I do a couple of these songs, but um, it's a very different technique as a singer. Mm-hmm. And he's um, a great singer, that guy. And the same for Tom Kiefer. The way he sings, it's very different. I, I don't think I'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be much more comfortable singing deal or singing blues than singing um, Cinderella. Uh, I, I, it's, it's it's not a matter of range. I would be able to do it, but. I don't know how he saves his voice like that. That's amazing. So I don't think I'd be good at it. You know, you, yeah, you, Tom, Tom still sounds great singing those Cinderella songs too. Oh, Tom is great. You know, uh, Tom, uh, Clint Eastwood said one day, he said, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> and you know your limitations, then, all right? Of course. I, 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 yeah, that's I'm, good. I'm far from being the greatest. I, I, I know what I can and can't do. Well, that, that's a good thing to know. <laughs> um now you did some what did you do with acdc ah uh, it's i um well i can't really talk about it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> can't really talk about it but uh let's just say that there were there was some stuff going on yes but i can't mm. really talk about it yeah okay uh, fair I, enough I, I know I'm, I'm very good friends with some of the guys pretty mm. Uh, but um, um, that's all I can say. Fair enough. Fair enough. I did some stuff uh, with that Brian was involved with. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah, some yeah. Recordings? Huh? It, well, well we played. We played. I was in a project that he kind of put together. I play bass. Yeah. So, I did yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get that. <laughs> but he wrote a lot of the songs, and, and you know, we performed them, and you know, 
he would come to rehearsals and then we did some we do like back in black and dirty deeds live and you know just that kind of stuff but good he's, times. A, he's a great guy isn't he oh yeah he was always great to us good yeah, guy I, I, I like brian i i'm i'm you know uh, he's, he's he's a great singer his story is pretty amazing he didn't want to be in in the band he said nah i'm interested you know you know uh, and he did it anyway like oh, i can't do it what the heck you know and yeah. never realized when he wrote those songs that they were it would become so huge. He had no idea. He was not even into the band at all. I mean, he was into the band, but he was not about to go for it. He was like, man, whatever. You know? Yeah. So, well, sometimes that's what happens, right? You know, it's a bit, I mean, on a smaller level, it's what happened with me and Great White. I had no idea when they when they contacted me to, to sing in the band. I was like, yeah, you know, they have so many voices, so many great singers going to call them. I remember they were talking to all these singers, I'm not going to name them. And I was like, mm -hmm. they're not going to take me, you know? So I'm just going to do a couple of shows with them and that's it. And after doing a couple of shows, uh, Mark looked at me like, I like you. I'm like, really? You're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And I didn't think <laughs> much, you know, I'm like, they're going to tell me to get lost. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And no, they kept me for nine years. <laughs> that's fantastic. Was there other offers that came in to you after XYZ? You mean after Great White or XYZ? No, uh, after mean, XYZ, like after XYZ, yeah, different bands. You know, I usually don't want to talk about that. I keep things private. Sure. Yeah, there was there was two two big bands um, mm -hmm. that offered me a, a thing, but I would have had one of them. I would have had to relocate um, to Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a big band actually. Uh, mm -hmm. I was not ready to go back to Europe. Didn't want to do that. And, uh, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to go back to Europe. Um, mm -hmm. it was a big band in much bigger than XYZ actually, um, and, and bigger than Great White. Um, it's just, uh, and another American band actually, um, uh, we can talk about that because unfortunately, you know, guy passed away, but Quiet Riot wanted me in Great, in Quiet Riot. Really? Yeah. Frankie, that's, a, that, that's interesting. Frankie wanted me in the band. He's like, you're the right guy for the band. I'm like, I don't think so. You are. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I said, my style is too bluesy. And he says, oh, you can sing uh, uh, all those songs. Yeah, I can sing them. But would that do them justice? I don't know, because I'm not going to feel them. Yeah. For example, um, their current singer, uh, his name? who's the current singer? Jizzy. Uh, Jizzy's doing such a great job. Jizzy's killing it with them. Oh, he's killing the songs. You know, Jizzy's a great singer, and that's his style. That's mm -hmm. his style. So I would never do... I would never do justice to the songs the way he does. Right. But Frankie asked me, and I said, nah, I'm not the right guy. Well, that goes back to knowing your knowing what you can do. And, yeah, I right? was afraid to, I was afraid to lose my voice. I was like, no, nah, I'm more of a blues guy. Plus, I'm more of a romantic, so I need ballads. I need uh I need songs where I don't have to scream all the time. Yeah. I'm a singer. Uh, and meanings, you know, my heroes were not necessarily screamers. My, my mm -hmm. heroes were singers. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you get to jam with them? We're quite right. No, never did. No, you never even never did. Never did. Okay. No, never did. We, uh, Frankie came over. We, my place, we had a, a drink. We talked about songs, about money. And it's okay, let's make a deal. And then it didn't work out. I was like, yeah, it doesn't feel right. He yeah. called a few days later. He said, maybe you're right. I'm like, yeah. I think mm -hmm. better off with somebody else that that feels those songs, that lives those songs. Um, I wasn't right when I when I joined, for example, Great White. I was comfortable. That's more my style. I was like, yeah, it's sure. more blues rock. That was more my style. When and you know, I felt comfortable, much more comfortable. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're a fantastic singer, but I think you're right. I don't know if that would have worked with Quiet Riot. No, and I didn't want to damage the. Uh, tarnish the uh, the image and mm. the sound of the band the band has a great legacy and i don't think they need someone like me to sing those songs i think uh, it'd be ridiculous yeah uh, um it, it's it, you know i wouldn't want to insult the fans you know and, and it's important to respect the legacy sure sure you're a good man terry i don't know <laughs> hey before i let you go though i wanted to uh, ask you we're going to go way back now. What was it like growing up in France? It's interesting because uh, there was no rock music. You have to understand right. that um, 
I did not uh, um, listen to rock music when I was a kid. I never listened to, see, in America, you guys listen to, you, you, when you crank up the radio in the 60s, 70s, you know, late 70s, you, you, you guys were listening to CCR, you were listening to uh, the Beatles. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, well, the Beatles were everywhere, but bands like CCR or, or Backman Turner Overdrive, all those bands in the 70s, you know, they were rocking, Rod Stewart, The Faces. They were rocking the radio stations here in the U.S. Steve Marriott, Humble Pie, uh, in Europe, in, especially in France. In Europe, in England, yes, but in France, people didn't listen to that. Same for Germany, people were listening to, because Klaus Mein and I talked about that a few times. I said, what did you listen to when you were a kid? He said, so in order to to listen to rock music friends were getting together and says what do you have what do you get well i got this i got 10 years after who's 10 years after i got deep purple who's deep purple you know so yeah the mainstream bands like the stones yeah they were big time of course but the rest of the music was crappy it was mostly uh romantic music and uh imagine a song like uh i forgot the name of that song you know that song i think so i think i know what you're talking about i don't know the name that was number one in france germany england and all over the world was number one you know as you should like really so in order to become a rock singer man i had to i don't know how i did it because it was not in the cards for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how did you even find out about it, though? Well, I was trying to be a, a crooner. I wanted to be like Tony Bennett. Uh -huh. uh, I was in, I love Tony Bennett, or Tony, uh, uh, Tom Jones, all those singers, real singers of this crooners, Italian crooner style. And I was like, this is what I want to be, you know? And, um, it didn't happen for some reasons. It didn't happen. And um, Pat was looking for a singer. Pat Fontaine was putting a band together, Mike Swayze guy. And he was looking for a singer. And I guess I was the only one who could sing rock because I could sing rock. Mm -hmm. But I was not into it, but I could. But I didn't know how well I could sing. I had no idea. So he paid me a lot of money to do a demo. And I'll do it for the money. Who cares? So I did it and I liked it. I was like, well, I kind of like it. It's fun. And then uh, I said, yeah. And then my heroes were Ian Gillen and, of course, and um, Steve Marriott. So I was like, well, I want to sing like my heroes. So that was it. I became a rock singer. I was mm -hmm. the only one in my town. People were like asking me all the time, can you sing? Can you do it? I'm like, I wasn't sure. And then I was like, yeah, maybe I can do that. But Pat said, let's go to the U.S. We're going to be rich and famous. So we went to the U.S. He went first. When I arrived in the U.S., I remember at LAX, I arrived with my guitar in one hand, a small bag in the other, like a typical um, immigrant, and um, $500 in my pocket, that's all, that's all I had. And he, I said, where are the uh, women? Where, uh, where are the record, where's the record company? He said, get in the car. So we got in the car, we had an old Chevy Nova with no, no AC, nothing, the windows didn't roll up or down. Car was terrible but like no paint was all the paint was all faded you know and i said where are we going he said long beach for what he said that's where we live i'm like long beach how can you become a rock star if you live in long beach he's like we don't we're not gonna be a rock star we'll find jobs <laughs> <laughs> that was it there was no record company there was yeah. no he said but if i would have told you the truth do you think you would have been on a plane i'm like nope said, good welcome to america and that was it so you just accepted that you you weren't like man I'm going back. But once it was there, you know, you understand that when I left, I my friends were like bye bye, you know, and people was like, and half of my other friends were like, he's not gonna come back. He's gonna come back broke. He's never. Yeah. Gonna and the other friends, the other half of my friends were like, yes, he's gonna make it. So I was torn. I was like, okay, I cannot come back. So I took my return ticket. I have a return ticket, and I threw it away. You had to make it. I said I had to make it. Mm -hmm. No That's return, awesome. no return ticket. Did X Y Z ever get a chance to play over there? Yeah, many times. Yeah, that yeah. had to feel great. It felt great. Um, 
the fans were very happy that we were the first French band to uh, to become gold in the U.S. Mm. Fantastic! You got a great story. You ever think about writing a book? <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna it's gonna wear and read it, but you know, I have so many stories. You know, uh, yeah, man. We we all have an interesting life, and you know, uh, I'm sure you have an interesting life, and we all do. You know, everybody, all the listeners right now, they all have interesting lives. You know, uh, you know, we all have stories you know mm-hmm. all of us have stories that's fantastic listen man i appreciate you taking the time tonight um it's been a pleasure as well thank you so much for uh for give me, giving me the opportunity yeah man